Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, All right. Shall we talk the NBA? We should talk NBA. We should pour a little out for Stephen Adams' uh, Memphis Grizzlies career now that he's been, even without the ability to walk, he's been shipped off to uh, play for the Rockets. Though, Though that's interesting because he's been moved not as an asset but as a player that the Rockets think that they need for next season. Yeah, it's interesting. Like yeah, the, it kind of like feels the, like a salary dump, but they, they are getting a lot in return. Yeah, it's like four second-round picks. And and Oladipo's – I guess Oladipo's an expiring, but, um, yeah, that, that, that was a bit interesting. Also, I think, too, they waive Oladipo and that uh, two-way player that's played really well with, for them um, while – all their injured players have been out can be made into a solid contract. So there might be a bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what people have tuned in for, to hear about the Stephen Adams play. <laughs> when Joel Embiid, <laughs> when the entire fucking week of narrative was all about Joel Embiid's not going to make the, the MVP because he hasn't played enough games and this unfair rule that you have to play, you know, more than 80% of the games and then he fucks his knee and he's going to be out for even longer. <laughs> Well, okay, so I've got a, I got a, a, a weird, complicated um, thing about this, right? Because it's the, the 65... I'm not that kind of doctor. I don't want to hear about your weird, complicated <laughs> thing. The 65-game rule came about basically because the NBA was trying to sell a new TV contract and they wanted to be able to say, look, our stars are going to play as much. Understood. As Absolutely. And- that, that and the... And- I don't doubt that what they've found in their report that says that rest doesn't help. I don't doubt that. Yeah, I don't doubt that it's robust. I also yeah, don't it's, doubt it's, that it's complete and utter bullshit, though. That's I don't just- look. I don't necessarily <laughs> think it is or it isn't because what they're looking for is something that you can't find by doing it the way they did it. So yes, that's all right. It, they were at least good enough to say this doesn't prove it doesn't work. But it, it is all <laughs> so, about messaging and signalling the idea that rest doesn't somehow, really work. Get your ass out and play. Um, somehow. Don't think that would pass peer review. Uh, well, uh, it wouldn't pass the ethics because the, the the people funding the report are the are the interested party. So there are slight conflicts of interest there. I would have thought. So the, there's sort of like three schools of thought here, right? Well, one is the That's players and the, the the players are, and the owners agree to this. This wasn't like the owners in the NBA came up with this dastardly plan to get the players to play more, and the and the players were like. Oh no, we don't want it. Like they agreed to it. This was bargained with. Yeah, you say that. You say that. But keep yeah. in mind, and as Vinnie Goodwill pointed out on Bomani Jones's podcast, yeah. the union rep the, who did this is no longer with the union because the players were so pissed off with the job that they'd done, and and all the wordy, all the the chat that was coming out of them was that this union rep was in it for themselves. They were in it to get themselves some. They were happy to get the public wins and let the win let the owners get what they wanted. The owners were thrilled with this particular union union rep. Yeah. This is the, the person who took over from Michelle Roberts, who was no longer there anymore. So I think the players are not particularly happy with what they appear to have signed up for. 
Uh, but yeah, it, le- legally the players have agreed to this 65 game thing, which essentially codifies what most fucking voters would take into account anyway, because nobody has won yeah. a, nobody has won an MVP with, with less than 65 games. Uh, and sidebar here, Draymond is the most self self unaware smart person I've ever seen. Because he goes on his podcast and whinges about Kawhi beating him for a Defensive Player of the Year award with 50 games. And Kawhi had played 65 and 62 games those years. So, essentially at the threshold of what the games played are now. Um, but that's just, you know. No, uh, he's extremely aware. He's just trolling because he knows nobody's going to fact check it. Nobody who reposts a fucking, the meme on the internet. The Draymond clip, yeah. Yeah, the, the clip and the, the little, no one's going to look, look in, the, in the mentions where it says, well, actually, Kawhi played 65 games. No one cares about that. It's yeah. more about, so, he's going to be brilliant on that fucking Inside the NBA show where all they do is talk shit with no fucking backup. So, the, the thing is, right, if you want to have the stars play more, if if that if that is your actual goal, like and and I see this all the time. Oh, Fan X paid four hundred dollars for a ticket to go and watch, you know, Jokic play in Milwaukee, and which is not, not what playing. this is about. But it is it is what the narrative is about, isn't it? it that's right. And, and also, you know, national TV games. We want the big stars playing on national. That's what TV. it's more about. And like, MB got slammed for not playing in Denver. The dude was injured. Do you, you know, if you're sick, do you rock up to your workplace? And if you do, should you? Well, we all we all did until prior to like March 2020. We all absolutely did. We yeah, don't do that anymore. But the thing about it, the thing about Embiid is that he was injured and he chose to play. Yeah. I don't feel, and he he got injured. He, he hurt his meniscus in a in a bad fall. He was labouring anyway, but he hurt his meniscus yeah. in a in a fall at the end of that against the Dubs. He will stand to lose a chance at the MVP, which is essentially ego. I don't quite feel, feel so bad for him. I feel fucking awful for Tyrese Halliburton, who is, yeah. is looking at 40 million American dollars that he's not going to get because he was forced into a position where he had to try and play through injury in order to keep up the number of games that he's supposed to be, that he needs to play in order to, to make the incentives for the Supermax. There is no way that should be the way the, the salary structure works because you end no. up with teams being incentivized to play quasi, you know, quasi injured players. And if the player ends up missing the target because they got injured, they profit. That 40 million bucks stays in their fucking pocket. And it's, well, it's really gross. Because they're not allowed to offer him that supermax salary if he doesn't meet those those, um, all-NBA or all-star incentives. The players, the union did the right thing moving their fucking, um, their rep on because this is fucking criminally stupid from her. But do you think Rick Carlisle and the Pacers are really happy that Tyrese Halliburton was suiting up when he shouldn't be? Like, I don't think, I don't think, like, that's a team that while it probably doesn't, think it can make the Eastern Conference Finals, definitely wants to try and win a first-round series, and a healthy Tyrese Halliburton is the only thing that's going to get you there, they don't want him playing 20 minutes a game at the moment. They want him to peel up. Like I would I would say that certain people in that building probably do feel like that, but I'm sure there's somebody in that building that would be quite delighted not to have to shell out that 40 million bucks. Well, like Zach Lowe says, if that's the case, sell the fucking team. Like, yeah. seriously, if you're not there to win... If you're not actually trying to win the championship, sell the fucking team to someone that wants to win. And the same with the Sixers. The Sixers would be like the Sixers have been through, you know, dragged themselves 
you know, willingly, like they've actually done it to themselves. I'm not saying like like they're, you know, a pity party, but they've dragged themselves through absolute shit to get to a position. And the only thing they've, the only reason they've done it is so that they can try and win. And now another whole season's going to be gone because well, Embiid, we if, if Embiid's done em, a meniscus. Embiid is then, out for the weekend at this stage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy. Yeah, uh, you, you so, and I have, and, and the listeners may know more by the time they hear by the time they hear this podcast. But yeah, um, but but the 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 biggest point I wanted to make, and this is the thing that I find really gross, is I hear a whole heap of NBA podcasters, I see a whole heap of the general public saying these guys should play injured, and it's like get fucked. You're asking the monkey to dance, dance, little monkey. You get paid. I want to see you dance. Go on. Go out and, and do something that, that will- And, that and, will re- and the, the racial connotations of that are extremely accurate in terms of the tone of some of that dialogue. It is a predominantly yeah. black league told to told to perform go, in, in a way that is really quite off colour. And, like, re- read about Ricky Rubio. I read some, some really, oh, like, heart-wrenching um, stories about Ricky Rubio this week about, you know- how he felt coming back from injury and and what it did to his brain and to his body. Like, asking someone to do something to their body when it's already injured is just not right. It's just not. I just don't care what you think. It's just not right. If someone's doing something that's going to make it hard for them to walk when they're 50, uh, you don't have that right. If they want to do it to themselves, that's a different thing. But you... Person that, sitting that gets in a, into the NFL kind of space. Where yeah, but you person sitting in an armchair demanding that a person that you know has bone grating on bone and has had through you know all the ligaments taken out of their knee and probably won't be able to pick their grandkids up, uh, demanding that that player go out and play. Into, I really don't like that narrative at all. I just it's just sick. It's just it's you know. But MJ roll, played roll. through injury in this entirely imaginary, fictitious circumstance where MJ played every game. Yeah. And, 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 you know, fucking, you know, had to play both ways uphill through snow. Fuck. I, I asked, I asked Tom Haberstroh to have a look at what the average. Because, <laughs> because he's on call for you now, is he? Are you no, one no, of his, no. are you one oh, of his no, Patreons? I asked him because I thought it might be something that tickles him and that he might actually look into. Um, and he did respond. He said, why are you in my bedroom? Fuck yeah, off. <laughs> exactly. Well, basically the online equivalent of that. But, um, like, what's the average amount of minutes played of a superstar now compared to the superstar in Jordan's years? Because the Sean Livingstons and the Grant Hills, and like, those guys did play through injury because you had to, and it fucked their careers. But we already know the average years of a super of a star career is longer now. We already know yeah. that. It's not – you don't have to look too far to, to see that. We've got, you know, not just the, the, the headline people like LeBron and – but we've all, you know, everybody's career is longer. You know, right. People are play, people who would have played ten years now are playing fifteen years. So you know, you might miss a random game here, but if you get fifteen years of Jokic instead of nine, isn't that a win in the long term? Like, I just don't understand this. Well, really- Jokic doesn't take time off, so he's a, probably a bad example because yeah, he's built like a tank. But, but we but, wouldn't but, have yeah. had the last five years of Kawhi. We wouldn't. We won't get this year's. Champion Clippers team when Kawhi drags them to a fucking t- to a title because he should have been crocked in his last season at the Spurs. Yeah, because he hasn't had a degenerative knee condition for an extremely fucking long time. Yeah, and then the last thing is 
everybody knows the players, the TV, the, the you know the TV partners, the the owners. Everybody knows. If you want to see the stars play every game, have a sixty-five game season. Everybody knows it. It's like well, it's like it. Except it- I, I don't want to assume that's true because I've, no, I've no, always but- felt that a sixty-five game season, then they'll just then people will just be playing fifty games. You know, I think more playing less will always be the sports science advantage. You know, it'll always be the hidden advantage to play less. Yeah. So I think it will just end up moving the goalposts further. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do it, but it does mean that I'm, I'm reticent to just buy into this idea that, you know, 65 games or 50 games or whatever solves everything because, I, you know, human nature is that everybody looks for that the competitive advantage and that would be what it is. The, the funny thing about the in-season tournament, it is like we always get the doldrums right in February, March. You know, the, I don't. Sort of Formula r- One and, and bad supercars <laughs> and IndyCar start there. I'm more, I'm more talking about the people actually playing the game, right? You know, there's lots of big road trips, lots of backs to backs. Oh, Dino, you're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play basketball. My heart fucking bleeds. See, that's the thing. I'm, I'm sick of the dog days of the season. It's always from extremely well paid fucking journalists who get to travel all around the fucking world well, watching okay. basketball. Hard the fuck the, up, princess. I will swap jobs with you tomorrow. This is the one thing I really, really, really want to see a journalist do the equivalent um, calorific exercise of an NBA game 82 times with the travel, with the sleep patterns, everything. But if they could do that, they would be in the NBA. Their body is not built for that. No, you can can do – Something athletic, like you could even just ride an exercise bike for the, you know, for the thirty six minutes a night at a high intensity to to replicate it. But that that person would crash and die after twenty twenty nights of it with the no travel shit, and- because they're not a professional fucking athlete. What are you the fuck no, are you talking about? No, no, but I, I just. I just don't think there's a fundamental understanding of what it's like to play 82 games. Oh, it's look, like- it's tough. It's a professional fucking sport. It's meant yeah. to be tough. That's what the money's for. But. But what what do we want as punters? Do we want to see like sort of grindy games because everyone's tired, or do we want to see good games because people are fresh? I know what I'd rather see. I just want to see inventory. I don't give a living fuck because in the playoffs, <laughs> when the playoffs happen, the playoffs happen independently of the, of the regular season. So, yeah, I, I'd rather the in season tournament made me aware that you could do the regular season better. I just think there's a lot of- No, you, the in-season tournament tells you nothing about the regular season because you can't put that intensity on anything else. One-off games, you can't- Unless you made the entire season single elimination. No, but it's it's more that the schedule was a lot more- Like, they built that schedule so that teams would be up for in-season tournament games. Well, Whereas, some you know, were. I would yeah. say some certainly weren't. And look, I, look had- I think I reckon that in-season tournament's going to be a bit like the Elam ending. We're probably not going to have one in three years. Yeah, I hope you're wrong. I really do. I don't really care whether uh, I am I'm or not, but I know I'm always right, so that's the important thing. <laughs> if, if only we had a record of whether we were right or wrong. I've um, got a shirt. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> don't make me get the shirt. I was looking at the Wins League and trying to figure out how it's all going to work, and, and then I just realised- Well, I don't think it does. You and Adam are equal, equal first on 246 246- wins, but you have played a preposterous number of extra games, which made me actually, again, have to check what the fuck's going on. But no, it's real. It's just that you've got a whole bunch of teams that have played a lot of games, like yeah, LA and, and Utah have played 50 games. But the games that you and Adam are going to catch up won't be against my teams. They'll be 
your teams against each other. So I've just got to. So I've just got to. I've just got to root for your teams. <laughs> oh dear! Please um, don't root anything of mine. <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, What's wrong I with did, you? I did. I did enjoy the the strife stricken Lakers without their two subtweeting stars beating the best team in the league today. That was that was I quite. Thought, I thought the, the the great element of that was you know all this all the entire week of dialogue about you know the the resting and injured stars and all this sort of stuff, and then the, the Lakers with literally nobody turn up and, and beat the Celtics, and yep. then the Sixers without Joel and Bede have to beat the Utah. It's like okay, the the Jazz are weird, right? They went on this huge run and now they've been on a huge slide. It's I can't work them out. Yeah, at all. it's almost like schedule matters. It's almost like yeah, it does. That's true. Do we have any interest at all in the All-Star Reserves? Uh, it was nice that Jalen Brunson got the job that we always thought he was going to get, and he, it was important to him. He got 40 today and then had a cry. The Knicks keep nixing. Yeah. Nine on the trot. Um, they're third. They could be second by the time you hear this. Um, they are extremely legitimate and quite terrifying uh, in the regular season. Yeah, it just it that does feel a bit that way, doesn't it? Like they'll be a great first round win team, you know, where they'll just out enthuse someone, and well, that sort of fits. It sort of fits. Feels like they'll hit a talent disadvantage in the second or third round and and get spanked. The second round would be would be Milwaukee as it currently stands. They could beat Milwaukee because Milwaukee are um, fragile. It's probably a nice way of putting it. So I mean, they could, and they have shown that they can give Boston yeah. a huge amount of trouble. Yeah. Let's call it now. The Knicks are going to be the Eastern Conference final winners. Well, they're, they're going to represent, they're going to represent the Eastern Conference against Minnesota in the, in the finals. <laughs> Minnesota is still there. Everyone keeps going, oh, I don't believe Minnesota. Minnesota is shit. Fucking Rudy, fucking Ant, fucking this, fucking that. They're still there. Their winning record is second only to Boston. And they're still fucking there. They, they, if they make the finals, they're going to be like the old school Detroit. You know, we're just you just can't score on us when we when we want to bring it. That's that's how it feels. Damn. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be. Well, I don't know if, if mid north Detroit had an offensive weapon anywhere near as good as Ant, who could just get his own shot and dominate. That wasn't really Chauncey Bullocks. No. That wasn't really Rip Hamilton. That those sorts of guys weren't like that. I sort of feel like the Dubs might be have a little bit more upside as the surprise team, but then. I don't know. The surprise team to achieve what? They had 12th. At this stage, they are not even making the fucking anything. Oh, sorry, not the, not the dubs. Uh, OKC, sorry, I'm, I'm mixing mixing my nicknames up. That, that's an um, extremely odd confusion to have. <laughs> um, I was just thinking of OKC playing Minnesota and, and sort of Minnesota just stifling them at the end, but then OKC played them not that long ago with the same lineup, and no one could sh- stop Shea in the last two minutes. So it might be... Like that could be an absolute classic series if they get to play. I think the season games between those two have actually been really good. Uh, mm. It's if well, that, it's a clash uh, of styles. I don't it? think that's going to be the conference finals because I think the Clippers are going to get involved, and the Clippers are only a, are only a game behind OKC and two games behind Minnesota. So the Clippers, the way they're going, might even steal the one seed. And isn't it interesting and refreshing to see a Clippers team with Kawhi and Paul George and everybody actually realising, why don't we fucking try in the regular season and see what happens? Even though we know we don't have much of a home ground advantage, it just might be nice. And it seems to be working for them. It's a very novel concept. 
Regular season. Important, weirdly enough. And and also James Harden, team leader, like chemistry James Harden, invo- you know, staying behind at practice and, and working out plays with his big with his big men so that when Kawhi and Paul George aren't on the aren't on the court they just spam Harden center pick and rolls and yeah. and get Harden easy. Zubats, like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it, it's up. interesting people have to get to a certain stage in their career where they realize it's like mellow it's like mellow at Portland versus mellow when he was at the Rockets. It was like he wasn't yet at the stage where he realized where he needed to change the shit that he did in order to be useful. Uh, when, and yeah. when he got to Portland, he was that guy. And it looks like Harden has reached the point at which he realizes, ah, oh, fuck, I'm, I, I think I know my spot on this team and it's not leading the show. Yeah, but it's also Ty Lue seems to be able to bring yeah. that stuff out of players. You don't – like, Lue's a little bit like Spolster. He's accepted as a, a really good coach, but you don't really know much about his methodology. Like – I think there's a lot more relatability with Lou because he was, uh, you know, you don't know he, yeah. he shared shared a call with AI because AI stepped over him. But yeah. you know, he's got he's he was a player at a high enough level recently enough, and of course he's got a chip and all those sorts of things that it's much easier for people to to relate to. And it's funny that that you know people um, people ask LeBron a lot of stupid questions in press conferences. It seems and one of the questions was was about have you seen you know, what the James Harden Clippers are like? And he said, "You mean the Ty Lue Clippers?" Because he's like, "No, the dude responsible for this is my yeah. guy. He did this." Yeah, uh, it sort of feels like the Lakers might fire their coach before the end of the season. Yeah, but it always feels like that. It does, doesn't it? Maybe Belichick. Belichick doesn't have a job. Didn't all the NFL jobs get filled today? Yes, they have. They're, maybe, all, they're all done and Belichick's not got it. And some of the, the right-wing fuckwit commentary at are like saying this is clear discrimination against old white guys. And it's like, no, Belichick just wanted to have personnel control and Belichick's demonstrated that he's not capable of having personnel control. So uh, maybe he should just sit there. A- but this is what happens to old coaches like that, like Tom Landry, yeah. the legendary Cowboys coach. When he was when he was relieved of his duties in the eighties, he probably in the mid eighties he didn't necessarily think it was going to be his last gig. Fucking was. And there's lots of other guys like that who you're like when it when they lo- they leave their last job, they never actually they don't know it's going to be their last job. When Wayne Bennett yes. gets fired by the Dolphins, ah, uh, he won't realise it's going to be his last job, but it will be his last job. And even if he that, does get a gig with the fucking with the Kiwis, there seems like there's a lot of first year. Coordinated to head coach jobs that might only be one year, though. There's a lot of that. Um, so you know, Bra- Bra- it's, it's normally it's normally the black coordinators getting getting yeah. picked up by the terrible teams in kind of the this is the rebuild year and we're going to fire you afterwards. The Texans were really bad for this. They did that a couple of years in a row. Um, so, but at least at least now they, they you know D'Amico Ryan's there is um, having an opportunity to thrive. But yeah, it because there there's so many so much more turnover with NFL coaches, and it's all at the same time of year. Bang, um, you kind of it is almost almost like a seasonal thing. There's this new new season, a new cohort. Uh, but it it is a it is a relatively co- coordinator driven. It it hasn't really been the big names in the same no way, apart from John Harbour. The uh, sorry. Uh, uh, the Which other Harbour. What's his fucking yeah. name? Jim Harbour, the Michigan guy. Yeah, yeah. the the, who, the former. Uh, San Francisco. He, you know, he was the he was the, the coach when Kaepernick was good. Um, uh, but he's been he's been at Michigan for a while, and he's a fucking mental case. Even <laughs> much more so than his brother. That both of them are quite unwell, but uh, he's an absolute munter. Uh, yeah. So, 
What else? It's, it's well, it. Ben Simmons got was back. Like nobody yeah, knew he was briefly. going to be back. He came back for a game. He played almost twenty minutes. He almost got a triple double. He, he almost played an entire game off the bench without injuring himself, but that didn't work out. And now he's out again. Um, so I saw that the I think it's on Monday the. Sixes and the Nets are playing. I don't know which one you argue, like who's ducking who, because Ben and Joel are both going to be out for that game. <laughs> he, 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 it's it's so reminiscent of how I felt about Exum at, at the Jazz, right? Where yeah. he'd come back, he'd have a couple of good, really good games that would just really flash his what he could do, and then he'd be gone again. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just want Simmons, even if he had 15 minutes off the bench for six weeks, I'd be I'd be stoked with that, right? Um, the, the back, because- I mean, it, it's worse with a back than it even even with a knee or an or an ankle like Exum, because backs are just so so. I mean, they're literally core, you know, to your experience. Yeah, um, well, and and all that sort of stuff is like if you're even when you rehab and you're doing stuff, if you're prote- if you're mentally protecting part of your body and you're not sort of running in the right way, then you are going to get injuries somewhere else because you sort of yes. your body is compensating to protect itself and it can't hand that extra stress. And it, it all ends up running through the back, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you, you, well, the other thing is that, that Simmons has made a hell of a lot more money than Exum ever did. And as a result- Yeah, he's got know, that- ge- He's got that generational money. Yeah, his he's motivation to go and take a minimum deal in fucking, you know, Sputnik Reykjavik or something in the EuroLeague in order to rebuild his career is going to be next to zero. Uh, I think he's still got another full year of his max contract, though. <laughs> another full year. Like, he, they won't. And, and the thing is, because he shows flashes of talent, whoever has his contract won't want to just, like, you just go and sit in the corner Oladipo style, that they're, they'll be invested to rehab and get something out of him. Oh, they absolutely want him to come back because they've got so much money invested in him, but also yeah. because he's he's still young and he's still good. He, that's the thing. Like, he came back in that game and, like, probably won them the game off the bench. He was yeah. that good. He was a plus 27 in 18 minutes. Which <laughs> is just nuts. You know, um, Oh, I hope he comes and has a Grant Hill type second part of his career where well, he's, he he, be, he becomes the the Australian uh, Olympic team and he just just gets people to to fucking convert and come over and play for us. That would be yeah. interesting. Yeah, uh, like you know, just or he just drinks a, a really, lot of Sprite, which isn't going to be <laughs> a really solid solid bench. He hosts inside stuff with Kirsten Bedler. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so I was quite surprised that the West Indies are, uh, were only playing two tests after their fabulous victory. Yeah, I think um, I think you know this is this is because Cricket Australia only want to play five, t- only want to schedule five tests a year. I yeah. think we've, we've got to enjoy Shamar Joseph before the BCCI ruins him. Um, you know what really annoyed me, and, and Jared Kimber annoyed me about this was the idea, like this, this fetishization of trying to mash that fucking fraudulent India England test into this West Indies test and say, oh, look, look what a wonderful day of test cricket. I'm like, no, one of those was an astonishing performance by a young team playing way over their heads and outplaying the world test champions on their own deck. Another one was a fraudulent fluke on an absolutely cooked Bunsen burner that could have turned out any fucking way. And it was a, a joke result involving two joke teams. And twinning the West Indies result with that is just demeaning to the res- the achievement that the West Indies made in that game. I do wonder sometimes about the expat Australians that live in England, whether they've gone a little bit 
native. <laughs> well, I, I think they know where the money is, and that's why so much of Kimber's output is about IPL bullshit that no one cares about outside yeah. of India and bigging up England. It's just fan service for the other, the big two thirds of the big three. Yeah, I guess so. Probably the other, the other like really good result for world cricket was the South African women beating Australia. Who? Yeah, that taking it to a third game, and Australia weren't, you know, that they won the third game, but yeah, um, I seem to recall uh, the relative recent past people were telling, saying, you know, Elise Perry needs to, you know, watch out for a place in the side, and um, yada yada yada. Uh, I think she picked up both the T20 and the, the one-day player of the year. Yeah. Well done, I person d- who everyone said was washed. I do wonder whether we had, uh, like, because you and I have talked about this with the with the women's team before, whether we had this this period where Australia had lots of talent, but they were also had better preparation, they had better resources, you know, they had all the back the backroom advantages as well. But I wonder whether that was also paired with a golden generation. So we had more talent, a golden generation, and all the backroom support. And now we've lost some of that golden generation, you know, because there's been sort of three or four retirements over the last five years. So you're saying it's basically like Steve Wars side of the 90s. Well, but but then the rest of the world's also catching up because yeah. those South African players are playing in the women's league. You know, they're playing yeah. in the – what's the the, the – uh, English one that's not a T20 comp, it's something else. 100? The, the, bla- oh, the, ha- the Blast, the 100? The bla- I thought it was the 100, but I, th- I th- don't think it, I don't think the 100 yeah. going to continue. I think they're going to revert to a traditional, like a conventional T20 rather than a 100-ball game, which is, well, what's that? A little bit less than a little bit than less a than, than a T20. Oh, man, right. 20 balls short of a T20. Uh, but the other thing to keep in mind, I mean, you think you think about Elise Perry, for example. Jill International was a fringe Matilda. Uh, before she made, she decided to go full time with with cricket. If she had to make that decision in 2023, with World Cups and the Matildas being much higher profile and women's professional leagues being a massive thing, I, and, and I'm not saying that, that that Elise Perry would have been as good a footballer as she turned out to be a cricketer, but the equivalent of Elise Perry making that decision right now. Might be picking football over cricket, so it's it's definitely a much a much harder choice, isn't it? There's a lot more competition for the top athletes, yeah, between cricket and football, and even AFLW and uh, NRLW. There's yep. a lot more professional or semi-professional sport, and, and poor, poor old bloody netball, which is getting absolutely massacred by comparison in terms of where their their athletes are disappearing. Particularly when that, that, AFL teams are closing their fucking netball teams. Uh, thanks very much, Collingwood. I think they've missed the boat. I think they had a chance to become like a worldwide professional league that that was a was a TV product and that you know became its own thing. And they sort of fucked that Trans Tasman comp. Yeah, yeah, we, we've talked about that before. The fact that they retreated from the Trans Tasman competition was yeah, yeah. exactly the wrong thing to do at that moment. I sort of feel like that window's closed, and it it will it will sort of you know it'll fade off into into a relevance. Not as not because it's a women's sport, but because other women's professional leagues are just going to get bigger and stronger and take all their talent. Yeah, and to to a certain extent, it, it is because it's a it's generally oh now there is there are men's comps. I have seen you know men's and mixed comps get a get a little bit of coverage, but. It's not a sport that men tend to sit down to watch, whereas men will mm. watch women's cricket and men will watch women's soccer, and we've proven that through the through the World Cups and, and so on. So 
their audience, they've got the opportunity of a much larger audience than netball where getting men other than creeps who just want to see girls in short skirts, getting men to watch netball is a bit of, is a harder marketing push than getting them to watch cricket or football. And the funny thing was when they had that Trans-Tasman League, because I've got a couple of friends that, that are quite invested in netball, the, the live experience was this real family affair. You know, yeah. there was a lot of dads and daughters going to games together. Yeah. And they actually, they actually were building that supporter base. Like, they were doing everything right. They, they were on their way. And if they'd sort of just kept down that path, they might have carved out the niche that would have made them sustainable for a long period of time. But I think it's just too hard. Look, I, I think they will be sustainable in that, I think there's still going to be that netball family audience. You know, that there'll be people who will always be because I mean, I don't think NRLW or AFLW will, will be any more or less sustainable than netball. I don't think, I think they're going to be, those three are going to be the fighting for the podium places compared to cricket and football in terms of where all the best athletes go because of the professional opportunities and because of the national representative opportunities that are much more, much more important, I suppose, in those leagues. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether the, the cricket, the women's big bash, because all the best players still play the, the, the women's big bash because most of the best players are still playing for Australia. But will the big bash, the women's big bash be overtaken by the women's IPL in five years like the IPL is sort of, like the men's big bash is just not what it was when it started, right? None of those South African or uh, English, you know, they're not getting the, the overseas talent because yeah, I think I think with the timing they are they're contracting the competition and they're moving it earlier, so there's there's fewer conflicts. And I think there's going to be a lot of evolution in the in the in the calendar space. around that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is everyone finding space for each other? The one I, I, that they they always talk about over here is that maybe they should look at merging the Big Bash and the Super Smash, the New Zealand one. So contracting the New Zealand competition into a couple of teams and putting them in the in the Big Bash. To kind yeah, of, that'd to, be awesome. That, to kind of create a trans-Tasman element to it, more time zones and all the rest of it. But I don't know to what extent the Cricket Australia are bothered with that. And the yeah. reality is oh. that, that for as long as either Big Bash or Super Smash have, where all the teams are owned by, essentially by the national the board, board, it's not going to, it's not going to get any bigger than it is. You, always you need pro- always even if you end up selling and have telling to the fucking IPL people and having you know instead of having the Darwin Daredevils instead of the fucking Delhi Daredevils or whatever they call themselves the Delhi Dickheads the Delhi Capitals. I always wanted uh, New Zealand to join the Shield, have a North Island and a South Island I team think in it, Sheffield it Shield. I think that happened. There was a, a time in which that actually did actually happen. I think, uh, mm. but you know, I don't. I think the problem with the Shield is that you know the, the travelling budget might not be up to it. Yeah, and- that's true. And Cric- Cricket Australia are not particularly interested in helping, you know, Cricket New Zealand. <laughs> New, Zealand New Zealand probably like, hey, we per capita, we do it much better than Cricket Australia. You guys can get fucked. Not financially. No, but, not but if, You know. Results-wise, uh, per capita, they probably do. Australians would have learned how to play at English wickets. It could do mm-hmm. a lot worse than, you know, turning up to Wellington on a wet Wednesday. Well, and, that's, and, and that's like, this was back when I was really into the Shield and I just, I just couldn't understand why you wouldn't try and broaden the experience of your next level down, right? If the Shield's actually to prepare players better for being in the test team, then what's better than, you know, going and playing on absolute rank turners or seamers? Um, but th- but th- there's the problem with, with your logic is that 
it was never about that. It's about serving the interests of the of the, the vested interests of the state federations, the state organisations. Yeah. And because it's all driven from self-interest of the states, then it's only about, you know, looking after themselves. I watched a, um, a, a what do they call them now? Marsh Cup match? McDonald's Cup. <laughs> Mercantile Mutual Cup. I, I watched New South Wales play WA yesterday because it was on, and it was Gloriously refreshing watching people who'd just, you know, a couple of weeks ago been playing in front of, you know, big crowds and pyrotechnics in a BBL game, playing against two men and a dog at a half-demolished whacker. And Western Australia played like that too. They got rolled for 160. And New South Wales chased them down with about 10 overs to spare. That has been your Marsh Cup moment. I do, I do find it funny that our... Our one-day comp is named after the uh, most controversial cricketing family in um, – Well, the cricket – wasn't he one of the cr- – he didn't win the limited overs cricketer of the year or something or other? No, I, think, I think he won the Allen Border medal. I think he won the whole – He, won, whole he won a lot, yeah. And he said, look, in 2019, everyone wanted, wanted to be dead. I was like, no, nah, it was your brother. It's all right. It's not you. It was never you. It was always your brother. It was always reflected miserableness that he was copying. It was, he was the real victim. Everyone just getting sick of Sean Marsh getting picked, regardless of whether he had the talent or not. Yeah, I think he just he just got a bit of the backlash, right? Yes, it's just like oh fuck, not another Marsh. He, he got um, he got collateral sledging, and you know it wasn't really Sean's fault. It, it, he didn't he wasn't picking himself. It was somebody else. You know, it was, no, it was, Tre- it was all he, Trevor Holmes' fault. He always did exactly what like old school cricket punters wanted, right? Go back to the shield and score lots of like every time he got dropped for being shit in the Australian team, yeah. he would just go back and score heaps of runs. Yes, he, he was an exactly was his talent level was exactly in between Test and, yeah. and domestic level. That's right. He was basically like all New Zealand players. Yeah. Um, so my big question for you as as a, as mm. a coach is: Are you going to go for the Barcelona gig, or you're holding out for Liverpool? Well, I was I was sort of hoping to get the you know the Washington Commanders job, but no, you um, stand on that um, Ben Johnson. <laughs> ben Johnson? No, a oh, fucking Dan Quinn got that one. Dan Quinn. You know you don't want to work for those guys. I mean, they're, they're the same owners as, as Philadelphia, so they'll make you tank for like ten years before Look, you can do anything. The the, the Lakers job's probably going to be available soon, and that's true. And, so you're saying and, you know, you say Jurgen's going to go for that one? You think Jurgen Klopp or, or that's, Chevy? That, that's a high paid job. I could be really crap at and fired and do nothing for the next three years while I get paid. So that sounds yeah. like the way to go. We have to get uh, get that ten year contract like Tom Brady got from Fox for broadcasting. I think the funniest one though is Monty Monty Williams getting that massive long term contract and then telling telling the front office, "Oh no, you can't you can't, can't trade Killian." <laughs> Man, that but also the a idea of Jordan Ivy. Why would I play him as a point guard? Apart from the fact that he's a point guard, mm. yeah, there's a lot of that. Anyway, this was a tip yeah. for me to crowbar in the fact that uh, Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool and Xavi is leaving Barcelona. So there's a lot of a lot of quiet quitting going. A lot of people walking away from very high paying jobs with very good teams. Um, but is Klopp, is Klopp retiring, or is he just none of them ever retire? I think he's just. I think he, he says he's corked essentially. Um, yeah. And you get the feeling, and, but, and whereas Chavi is kind of like, well, fuck you people. I can't do anything for you people. I won you a league last year and you don't seem to care and I can't seem to get through to you and there's no money in this club. You can certainly see the two teams, although, although what's been announced is exactly the same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to finish at the end of the year. You can see the two teams going in very different directions. You can see li- them all getting around, all the Liverpool guys getting around Klopp and winning one last, one last job for the, you know, Ocean's 27 kind of thing. And Barcelona yeah. are just going to fall off a cliff. Because everyone's going to be like, well, fuck this. Why am I here? Yeah. How are the, the Spanish and Italian leagues going? Because are they still 
the powerhouses that they once were, or is it sort of shifted to England? Well, no, it, it, Italy, yeah. it went through a big dip around the time of Calciopoli, after Calciopoli. So when Juventus got relegated for Matt, for essentially leaning on the refs, uh, and that was around the time of the time they won, around the time they won the World Cup. Um, then they went into a dip, and then Juventus won like ten Scudetto in a row, and it it it's only relatively recently started to make a recovery. Ironically, it was because the government brought in a thing where they they offered tax breaks if you were going to sign big international players to come in, and they got a lot of really good players. It was Ronaldo and Paul Pogba and various others. Now the the right wing fuckwits that are in power now are rescinding that because they don't want migrants. Even if they are, oh, right. you know, <laughs> massively well paid fucking you the know, Italian league, the international Italians. superstars. They don't want migrants. Yeah. But the Syria has been on the improve. La Liga has been struggling since Messi and Ronaldo went. They've been trying to. They've been stumbling around looking for their narrative. They're not really sure. It's a bit, bit like uh, the NBA post Jordan. It's like, well, who are our stars now? And it hasn't. It hasn't helped that um, that Real Madrid and Barcelona were were very prominent in that. Super League thing, and also that yeah. Barcelona have been horrifically broke and making stumbling from half-assed and uh, chaotic situation to uh, to the next. So uh, that's been a bit of a shambles. But I mean, the football's still good, but um, pe- fewer people are watching it. There isn't even a rights holder for for La Liga in New Zealand at the moment, which is pretty, pretty right. average. Um, they've only got highlights, so uh, not a good. T- so if you are going to take one of those gigs, I would suggest the Liverpool gig, not the um, not the Barcelona gig. Yeah, you'd have to live in Liverpool, though. I have to live in just, Liverpool. You, you need to I'm, live in North Wales, in <laughs> fucking Breckons or something. I'm, I'm, I'm not as excited as this at this World Cup because you know it's in um, Manchester, it's in sort of Birmingham. Was it Manchester? It's in, uh, no, it's in. Um, it's not in Manchester. Dapto. It's in a university town, but I just don't think the the food's going to be that good. No, because it's <laughs> England. That's right. It might be able to get a good Whereas, curry. It might be your best last, bet. Last time in Malaysia, like, it was a pleasure to go out and eat every night, um, it, even if some of our yeah. practices probably weren't exactly what a sporting team should be doing, you know, eating street food every night. Yeah, uh, getting the squirts like Felipe Toledo at the first day of the um, Pipe Pro. Uh, oh, one last thing before we go. Have you got any opinion on uh, Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari? Well, my opinion is that, that he managed to win both the transfer deadline and the trade deadline with one move. Uh, I thought that was really impressive because that's that outdid anything that happened in the football transfer deadline and and probably will outdo anything that happens in the NBA trade deadline. Um, actually, what that I was impressed by it, and it's probably a good move, and he might as well give it a crack. But it's not going to matter because Red Bull will beat everybody anyway. But the more the more interesting thing from a domestic point of view is that the guy who won the V8 Supercars Championship last year, this young fella called Brody Kostecki, is this this big chunky That's country a very dude. V8 name. He's not. He's actually he, he is from a Speedway family. His nickname's Bush because he's a bit Bush. Uh, but he won the championship with this team that that are kind of the the rebels and the outsiders. This Erebus team. Um, he's quit on the eve of the season because he can't stand working with the team principal, who's a fuckwit. And this is not the first time it's happened with this team because Dave Reynolds used to race for these guys. He won Bathurst for them. And then about two years later, he just fucking quit because he's like, I can't work with you guys because you're insufferable. This guy's just such an absolute tool. With Barry Wright, who's a co-owner and, and the team principal. So it's amazing that you can have somebody lead a team who is just so obnoxious that people – who are literally doing the thing you sign up to do, like win the thing, win Bathurst, win the championship, would rather – I'd rather go and fucking sit on the beach for a year. 
then <laughs> go to work you with you. So, you know, you might work with some difficult people, but, you know, be thankful you don't you don't work with Barry Ryan. Well, I'm still doing this podcast. <laughs> You're not getting paid either. <laughs> That's true. So, why am I not sitting on a beach somewhere? Uh, probably because I haven't won Bathurst. All That's right, true. Doc, shall we? Shall we come back and talk some tunes? We should do that. This was the Bulls podcast. I'm Doc. He was Bezo. We always do the intro at the end. Uh, yep. It's very Monty Python's flying circus of us. If this, if this is your first episode of the Bulls podcast, How? well- How did you get I here? Very, Are you very lost? surprised. And I would like to hear why and how. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to keep it to yourself. You know, No one's going to understand what you've been through. All right. See you, Doc. <laughs>